My name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Hey folks, and welcome back to Transformers Tuesdays, the fan hole spinoff show where we talk about Transformers all the time and every time. Uh, I'm Mike, I'll be your host for this episode, and joining me this week is... Hey, what's up? This is Derek. Derek WC. Kill them all. Wipe them out. Wipe them out. Indeed. Yes, so in this episode we will be talking about a Transformers Marvel UK classic story... Uh, Crisis of Command, it's collectively known, and it takes place uh, in Marvel UK uh, numbers 42 through 44, and it's uh, somewhat known as like an early like classic of the, you know, the er early Marvel UK stories. It's certainly one of my like favorite, like early, maybe like in the first 100 issues of Marvel UK and, and, you know, just early in Marvel continuity in general, like uh, Crisis of Command is written Surprisingly, by not Simon Furman, it's written by Mike Collins and James Hill, uh, with art by Jeff Senior. Uh, this is actually Jeff Senior's first uh, art on Transformers, like and on a sequ sequential Transformers story. And uh, uh, John Stokes uh, also draws the third part of it. Um, colors are by Steve Whitaker, John Burns, uh, Stuart Place, Gina, and Gina Hart. Uh, letters by Mike Scott. The editor is Ian Rimmer. And uh, this was originally published from December 28th, 1985 through uh, January 11th, 1986. So, uh, you know, since, you know, the comics, you know, they come out on a less frequent basis than the cartoon was. I mean, this goes into 1986, but we're still like in the first range of characters, basically. So, like, you know, we, we were almost close enough to the movie like before everything would like you know change forever in transformers but this is this is more or less a a first we'll say first season cartoon like era story but uh yeah like this like i said this is this has always been a, a personal favorite of mine just because like if you know me you know i love like jeff senior's art and this is like his you know his first uh try on transformers and I don't know. It's just a story that always, like, I thought had a lot, like, rung a lot of bells for me, and like, I always like appreciated of, like, Derek, like, when, like, when was the first time you read this story? Like, what were you was, was were your impressions on it? Like, just in general. In general, I think this is one of those stories where I I probably read it on the GeoCities thing, you know, like like in a batch where I just was was mass reading all these these issues yeah. all at once and everything. So it's funny because I don't think I got the opportunity to I, I don't often revisit these and I don't think, you know, because to, to get to get an issue of Transformers UK back in the day, like you had to spend like 
sometimes like five to six to ten to twelve dollars for like an 11 page story essentially i mean i know there was other stuff inside but i mean they were these thin little magazine sized pamphlets and it was only the most hardest of hardcore people that were willing to do that and i i just i definitely was not um you know it wasn't until i i could either read them collected with the titan trades or you know find those those geocity sites to to actually read them and stuff which i thought was great at the time so i mean i i definitely ripped through a bunch of those that i had never read before and i'm pretty sure this was part of that i was going to ask you like for you like because you 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 know your unabashed love for jeff senior so much like is this kind of heartbreaking that like the third part is not drawn by him or or you just kind of take it for what it is there there is an element of that where you're like oh man like what could have been like you know like but I mean, John Stokes' art isn't bad, but no, like, no, it, it I don't think it's bad. Yeah, it's, it isn't. It's, it isn't Jeff Senior, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a change in you know, kind of uh, direction or you know, a change in gear, right? So you you kind of have to get used to that. But yeah, it's also like you know, it's worth noting that you know Simon Furman did not write this story. Like Mike Collins and James Hill, like they kind of. They kind of wrote some assorted stories, like, here and there, especially in the early years of Marvel UK. Like, James Hill is a, is particularly known for, like, writing a lot of text stories in, like, the annuals. Like, uh, you know, the famous, like, state games and, like, some of the, like, the early history of Cybertron's, like, the Civil War or whatever. So, like, you know, but I, I feel like it's it's very, like, it's very similar in tone and, like, you know, maturity, I guess, like to like firm and stuff. Yeah, I, I think like I was looking at the UK collected write ups on this just to get some some extra, I don't know, insight into chain of command or whatever. And it was like confusing me because like I, I, I think I see now I'm like, oh, the way you broke it down and the way it is on the wiki, I'm like, oh, I see. Like Mike Collins wrote part one and part three and James Hill is credited with part two. But it's funny, like the way they describe it in the, I guess, the forward to the UK collection, you know, they act like they kind of were a, a tag team or something on these. Like, and I was like, and, and part of me kept looking and I, I was expecting to see Mike Collins name. And then they kept saying, and, and Hill, I got, you know, they're telling the story about how they got the writers to, to work on the, the Christmas story and, and chain of command. And I kept saying Hill and I was like, who's Hill? Like who, you know? And I was like, Oh, James Hill. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm like in the first, you know, in the, the first part of this, you know, in issue 42, if you look at the credit, it's like script Mike Collins. And I'm just kind of like, well, that's not a Hill. Like, you know, I'm like, wait, what? You know? So I was trying to like put all that together in my head, but I, I kind of wonder, cause I mean, the way they talk about it in the, in, in that kind of little intro, I mean, it does make it seem like they kind of, tag teamed it or something i don't know like like i wonder if there's you know they just gave like one writing credit to make it easy or something or there was some kind of you know that that's how they yeah. did, did things or what like i'm sure yeah like that they credited it to whoever did the like most amount of work for that part maybe or mm. i don't know they, they probably worked out something but hey is is that you the the prowl's gonna build his own autobot army with blackjack and hookers <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, no, but what do you call what? Oh, on the wiki page, no, yes, but yes. like, 
Yeah, there's that one, and I think that picture is also on Prowl's page, and it's also like another like Futurama quote where he's like, mm. "They called me mad for building an army of like atomic monsters." Some even call me mad. And why? Because I dared to dream of my own race of atomic monsters, atomic supermen with octagonal-shaped bodies that suck blood out of the. It's a three-parter. Like, why don't I read the wiki's like you know summaries for each part, and we'll like break it down by each part. Oh, okay. Okay, so part one, which is, you know, the title of the first issue number 42 is Crisis of Command, exclamation mark. So um, this is the wiki, the wiki's summary for it. A group of Autobots led by Prowl petition Optimus Prime to use the recently reclaimed Creation Matrix to create an army of super warriors to defeat the Decepticons. Other Autobots fronted by Jazz disagree and the argument becomes heated. Prime refuses to pervert the Matrix in such a manner, fearing what will become of the Earth if such warriors are unleashed upon it. But the Autobots' discontent with his ruling is evident. This only fuels the feelings of self-doubt that Prime has been dealing with, brought on by the Autobots' recent string of defeats by Shockwave, and he worries that he may no longer be fit to command. Prime is unaware that his maudlin musings are observed by Ravage, who has infiltrated the Ark to learn the Autobots' plans following their reacquisition of the Matrix. He deliberately trips the Ark's alarms, alerting the Autobots to his presence, and after a short battle he is deceived by Mirage's illusions and captured in an energy net by Hound. But Ravage's capture is all part of the Decepticons' scheme. Laserbeak observes the whole scene and reports to Acting Commander Soundwave that things are going according to plan. Then, as night falls, Ravage escapes with ease, using his electromagnetic emission shield to simply walk through his cell's energy bars. So yeah, that's part one. And, uh, like, yeah, I was gonna say, like, like I said, this is Jeff Sr.'s very first, like, sequential work on Transformers, and, like, you know, I, I love his, like, st you know, his style, but I feel like it's, like, he wouldn't get as, like, radically into his style until, a, like, a bit later. Like, I feel like this is a little more, like, he was trying to, like, ape who, you know, the people drawing, like, comics before him and stuff like that. Like, everything is a little more, like, he's usually very square. Like, his style is very square. I feel like things are a little more rounded than usual with him. But, like, yeah, it's still, yeah. I think it's still pretty gorgeous. And, you know, the UK coloring makes it really, like, pop. Like, a, you know, the painted, the painted colors really, like, brings out the, you know, the coolness of it. So, but I don't know, like, what, what, what is your, your general thoughts on the content of this chapter? Well, it, it's interesting to read that they, because I, I think the idea was they they ended up watching episodes of the Sunbow cartoon, and they ended up watching them, I think, because the idea was they were going to, like, use a clip and then somehow morph it into the comic and be like, oh, hey, you know, go read, you know, find out what happens next inside, you know, the UK Marvel comics or whatever, you yeah, know, kind of like, the like all the G.I. Joe commercials. Yeah, yeah, and, and so... I, I mean, I definitely agree with you that, like, it, it's weird because technically, I mean, this is set after issue 12, right? And so it's like Optimus is back in charge, like all the Autobots are back in the arc and everything. 
and and I guess the the idea is Prime still reeling from being you know uh, a head you know that was forced to create stuff or whatever, and all the other Autobots were hanging upside down based on you know Shockwave defeating them, right? And like that aspect of it is very Marvel Comics G one, you know that that situation that they're recovering from. But the actual content of this, I think you know, and I agree with you, is is mostly very much a, a Generation 1 Sunbow cartoon story. I mean, d- right down to the way they have to capture Ravage, and then they, they do a Mirage illusion, and they, they do that electro net and everything. I mean, to me, it seems very much like, you know, something that was, like, plucked out of more than meets the eye, or at least a an alternate take on it and everything. Um, as far as the, the actual moral argument i mean you probably know how i come down on this i think i think sometimes you know optimists can get super hand-wringy hamlet style in this series in general and and also specifically in the marvel comics and it's funny i'm like oh is this the comic i have to blame for that like you know that 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 he's sitting there, you know, <laughs> wrestling with his conscience in the darkness and doesn't know what to do next and all this stuff. And it's it's interesting because I think for something that, the dichotomy of that, because for something that is so clearly influenced by a, you know, sort of Saturday morning Sunbow cartoon version of Transformers, like some of the themes in it are very much nothing like the cartoon but some of it you know as we'll talk about the other parts later including the the ravage sort of capture and escape are are very much or even even the the moment you know it's funny i mean i could easily see you know the the moment where where soundwave shit talks starscream i mean to me in some sense that's you know the 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 i i want to say the the original version of that is probably in more than meets the eye, you know, like you, you tried to, you know, take leadership of the Decepticons from me, mistake number one, you know, you tried to do that, mistake number two, you know, somebody basically verbally destroying Starscream, that, that Megatron does that in like, what is it, like part three of more than meets the eye, right? But, but this is also a great verbal destruction of Starscream, you know, the whole, I mean, I can't picture the, the, G1 Soundwave saying it, but I mean, it's it's definitely something maybe the the comic book Soundwave would say. But I mean, it's a great moment where he says, "This is why Megatron and Shockwave were the leaders, and why you're not going to be anything more than battle fodder because you're just a missile with a mouth." Starscream, and I mean, he's got a he's got an interesting, um, I guess, you know, dilemma himself, right? Like they they want to find out, oh, are they gonna? start building super weapons like what's what, what what is the state of morale with the autobots like what's going on with them are they going to attack us outright like what, what's going to happen next so that's why he sends in ravage which you know seems pretty logical i mean i think i think the you know people probably have a uh, a sense of discomfort with with prowl's plan and and of course the way it's portrayed you know that the the ultimate Autobots are these hard-edged, utilitarian children of the corn, right? That are going to just walk around and wipe out the Decepticons, you know? And so they, 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 it, it's almost painted in a very 
you know, apocalyptic, like, you, you know, the, the, the idea of, you know, Prime's concern turns it into, well, yeah, that's great that they can wipe out all these Decepticons, but then you see, like, the, the rubble of planet Earth, basically, like all these war-torn cities and stuff like that. And I guess, you know, you, you, you know, people can argue about that till the cows come home and, and, and Prime makes his decision. But I think it's like one of those things where people, I mean, this is kind of, it might be burying the lead for some of the other parts, but the, people make decisions and, and have uh, thoughts on the morality of something like that and, and say, you know, I, I will not use the creation matrix to create an army of super warriors, but at the same time, you're, you're kind of like, well, the same destruction that you fear is still going to come to pass yeah, and with, with other the benefit of hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. Like... And another another avenues. So it's like, I don't I don't know. Like it, it's it's it's, you know, one of those things where, you know, and, and also there's there's that weird notion of like, you know, if you want to just make it really simple and 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 something that most people can grasp rather than transformers and super robots it's like to me it's the difference between okay you're going to say like you're anti-gun right and and if you're anti-gun okay fine that's your right you can be anti-gun but then if you're going to go make a movie where you you know run around and shoot 50 million people with a gun and you're this super badass well that to me seems slightly hypocritical, right? Because you can't you can't go around making your money, sort of sensationalizing what in actual real life you are uh, protesting against, right? And 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 so, I mean, you can, but that kind of makes you hypocritical. And and I think it's funny too because that when I was reading some of those articles, you know, they were kind of like, oh, we really wanted a story where Prime could be the um, the Bruce Willis in Die Hard or the, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, the Clint Eastwood, you know, come in, you know, and take no names and just kind of, you know, take out all the Decepticons and all this other stuff. And what what I think is funny about that, and maybe because, you know, Batman's on my mind, you know, because it's Batman Day or whatever, it's like th th there would be that same aspect of the kind of code against killing, you know, people's heroes don't kill and all this kind of stuff. And even if this was a Batman story and Batman went in and beat up like, I don't know, everybody who took, a, I don't know, maybe it's like the, uh, you know, the Judge Dredd movie or like uh, the raid or whatever. And Batman walks up this building and, and takes out like every single guy in Arkham to get to the top, which is the Joker or whatever. Right. Even if he beats up all those people without killing any of them. At least at the end of the story, you know, when he gets down to the bottom of the building, he's going to be like, Gordon, get these people in here and, and lock them all up and send them to Blackgate and Arkham. And like, at least, you know, they're going somewhere, you know, and it's like, conversely, Die Hard, I think John McClane kills most of the fucking people and Clint Eastwood, duh, kills most of the fucking people. So it's either one or the other. It's either it's either you're going to you're going to take out and neutralize the threat when you walk in and do this. But if you're going to leave them all like unconscious or uh, their circuitry disabled or whatever, but not actually like call the fucking space police to clean them up, then, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to call bullshit on that, you know, because it's, it's like it doesn't help anybody, you know? <laughs> yeah, that there is kind of a logic flow with that. Like it like prime, like you wanted a bloodless like end to this war. Well, you just had it, but instead you just kind of 
walked you, you away wa- from yeah, it. Yeah, you walked like, away yeah. from it. You know, it's it's that thing of like, you know, it's it's me yelling and screaming that Optimus Prime's a shitty leader because he just didn't go back to the fucking lava pit to wait like five minutes to see if Megatron or anybody you know popped up out of it where he's like like i will have revenge and he could have just been like and then like that's it that's the end of it then yeah this this war would have been over it's the type of thing like like superhero ethics that you just have to kind of you know look past i mean let's be honest there's nothing you know i mean people can get on their high horse and preach about how it's the good and right thing to do but that's not why they do it they do it so that they can keep telling stories yeah, like, so they can exactly. keep so they can keep fleecing money from you, you fucking morons. <laughs> it's not ethical. Anyway, sorry. But, uh, anyway. I, I, I've always like this is like I, you can almost point to this also as the origin of like prick prowl almost like I think this is the first time prowl mm. is portrayed in this manner. And like like I kind of I kind of like prowl having sort of a prickish like edge to him. So like I always enjoyed his like you know abrasive nature and in this and like the one thing i'll take away from this issue and i'll like this is my fanfic like headcanon thing like uh maybe like if i ever got to write transformers i would definitely like canonize it somehow like i wanted to write a mosaic about it but i never found an artist for it like okay so you see my avatar it's like one of those ultimate autobots right yeah yeah doesn't it look like Rampage, like Beast Wars Rampage? Oh, okay. Can, can, I can, can see you that. see that? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, so here's my headcanon. When Prowl, like 300 years in the future, when Prowl becomes like a maximal elder, you know, like Beast Wars Prowl, he's the one who initiates the Protoform X project. And it's based on this, like his vision of like ultimate Autobots or whatever. Mm. And but, you know, obviously it becomes Rampage and he, like, you know, he goes crazy or whatever. But that's, like, this is my headcanon. Like, this, like, when I, I I first, like, read this and then, like, it was, I probably read this around the same time you did. Like, off some, like, Angel Fire or GeoCities yeah, like, yeah, yeah, scans, yeah. like, in the early 2000s. And I'm always, I was always, like, kind of looking at that Ultimate Autobot design. And I was like, man, that looks a lot like Beast Wars Rampage. And then, you know, like in Beast Wars, like, you know, canon or whatever, like Prowl, Ironhide and Silverbolt, like survive to the like Beast Wars era and become like maximal elders or whatever. So I was kind of like, well, what if like, you know, long after Optimus Prime had died and like Prowl was in a position of power, he said, like, well, we're finally going to do my fucking like ultimate Autobot like idea or whatever. And that's like, you know, that's how Rampage basically was born. So like that's. There's my head cannon. Like, if anyone's listening to this and they want to canonize it, that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm giving you permission. But like, one day <laughs> if I ever if am in a position, I will canonize this idea. So like, this is like you know my bit of fan wank that I'd like to canonize. But yeah, that like that's my like big takeaway from this first installment. But um, also like a few things like I do like that they explore like Optimus Prime's like sort of PTSD from being yeah. like, you know, like yeah. a head, like in shockwaves, like custody or whatever. And being like, so utterly defeated by him. Like, cause they kind of like gloss over that in the U S like comics. Like he gets his head back, you know, he's, he's back to business and he's like, you know, where Optimus Prime, blah. Like, and there's no in between basically. There's like, you know, 
like and i think it's a good idea for him to like like you said like maybe this is the origin of like you know hand ringy prime but at the very least like i guess it was new when this oh yeah 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 with this it was new i think and then and then also i guess you know that the idea of treating them as somewhat personified because i i think maybe the reason why you didn't have that much coverage of that was you know beyond the whole it's a kid's book it's for action's sake and they didn't want to spend all that much time on that at the time like i think maybe the other reason why is that like i don't think they treated them as like i mean as much as they tried to give them personalities and everything i i don't think they treated them the same as humans because humans couldn't i mean it's gruesome that they were all strung up like that you know turned upside down but i mean if if it was a human that was strung up like that that there there was no recovery from that like if if a human was just a severed head like and and was kept prisoner like it's not fucking Futurama. Like, like we wouldn't survive from that, right? Like, so I think I think the thought was, well, he's fine, right? Because he's a robot, you know, like type thing. And that, you know, it's like robots don't get PS, you know, PTSD, you know, like that. That probably was maybe some of the thought process behind it, which probably isn't very good for purposes of storytelling, you know, like un- unless your purpose is just to, you know introduce new toys from issue to issue but you know <laughs> like but you know it's i don't know it's interesting like the the ultimate autobot stuff i mean like they're 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 clearly you know designed to look menacing and 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 evil and everything and i i know you know they they, they kind of talk about you know th- that this doesn't necessarily hold true you know like because i mean if if Jetfire is a is a super warrior and devastator was a super warrior well you know later you've got the the they, they have to sort of patch things up because you know you've got superion and omega supreme and defensor i think and, yeah it's you know, like they they say like when hasbro came ringing all of a sudden optimus prime had to like reverse his stance on there there will be you know like ultimate warrior autobots or whatever oh like the, the special teams like superion oh of course we're gonna make those like yeah yeah of course of course surprise megatron meet superion dirty motherfucker i do like and it probably speaks to how well, like, sketched out, like, the character personalities, like, in the Bible, like, were. That, like, you know, everyone on Prowl's side of the argument and everyone on Jazz's side of the argument makes sense. Like, you know, it's like Mirage, Ironhide, it, yeah. and Blue Streak on Prowl's side. And then, like, on Jazz's side, it's like Ratchet, Bumblebee, and, like, Gears. So like you know it's it it all all those characters like make sense on that mm. side on either side of that argument. Yeah, it's nice that they they don't just have. I mean that, that that was something that was always good because again you you don't have like a group of people where again it's my same common complaint where I I uh, trash bend this every podcast I get. But you know the the, the dialogue is not interchangeable. You know like like you you, you could have. You know, you couldn't have just any old Autobots be on one side or the other, right? Like, like, and it's nice that there was some thought put into that. They again, they're following like you know the the bio and tech spec write ups like pretty uh pretty uh, consistently. Like, 
unlike in the cartoon, like Mirage is the one who can cast illusions and, you know, or holograms and like, you know, Hound is the one who like captures Ravage in the net or whatever. But, you know, in the cartoon, you like Hound is more known for holograms and Mirage. They just, you know, made him turn invisible. So, but yeah, so, I mean, that's part one. You have anything else to say about this part or should we move on to part two? I guess other than that, I mean, because we won't probably get a chance to talk about him too much after this, but he is pretty much like the, the cover star, and he gets, like, plenty of fan aura in this, which is Ravage. Like, Ravage, you know, he, he launches his missile that takes out, like, half of those arguing Autobots. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he triggers the alarm on purpose, you know, he... He gets captured on purpose. You know, it's all part of Soundwave's plan. And he can easily get through this electromagnetic shield or whatever that's keeping him imprisoned and sneak past everybody. So, I mean, you know, I, I know we'll see him a little bit in the next issue. But I just figure that, you know, as, as, as much as your want is to uh, give Buzzsaw the praise, right? Like, I mean, you know, Ravage here is is in full force, like... He's he's definitely oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's definitely, you know, uh, I guess living up to his tech spec and, and function and and, uh, you know, making like most Autobots look like idiots. So, I mean, you know that maybe that's not good if you love the Autobots, but I mean, Ravage certainly comes across with plenty of uh, love and fan aura in this issue. Yeah, I think Ravage was always treated pretty well by the Marvel comics, like yeah. especially like in the UK where. You know, he kind of survived long past his, like, you know, expiration date. But anyway, yeah, let's, we'll move on to part two, which is titled Bumblebee Alone! Exclamation mark. Bumblebee discovers that Ravage has escaped and reports the matter to Optimus Prime. An already low Prime is shaken even more by this revelation, and Prowl is quick to capitalize on his leader's state of mind, continuing to push for the creation of new warriors. Dismayed to see how low Prime has sunk, Bumblebee disobeys his leader's order to inform Hound and Mirage of Ravage's escape and decides to try and recapture the Decepticon spy by himself. Unfortunately, Bumblebee does not realize that luring unsuspecting Autobots such as himself into an ambush was the very reason Ravage allowed himself to be captured in the first place. When he follows the fleeing feline into a box canyon, he finds himself confronted by Soundwave and the other Decepticons. Bumblebee attempts to escape, but is quickly subdued and captured, and his severed arm is dropped in front of the Ark by Laserbeak as an invitation for Optimus Prime to come and recover the rest of him. To be concluded. So yeah, we're this is the middle part, and uh, Bumblebee is our sort of main character here, and you know, and you know he bumbles into a trap and gets owned and that's about all there is to this part basically but i think i think they also said like like you were saying they were trying to like capture some of the like sunbow cartoon flavor with like bumblebee driving around in the desert which is like you know kind of reminiscent of what he like a couple of the early sunbow episodes too yeah i mean i i think there's that aspect of the flavor to it you know you know what else it kind of reminded me of was I, I listen to a podcast called Fan Film Fridays, and they basically cover like a bunch of fan films. And the, the one that got me to start listening because I had never heard of it was they covered like a Transformers fan film, which was called like a 
generation one hero and it's like basically it's like you, you know how like the uh cybertronic spree like they perform like the live stage shows and they have like costumes as transformers so like that's essentially what the fan film was like where it was like there were you know human beings in you know intricately made costumes but it opens with like bumblebee being chased by starscream in jet mode so it's just this this you know car you know bug driving around the desert just like the sunbow cartoon or this comic you know and kind of getting blasted at and like so it kind of reminded me of of that as well and you know bumblebee going off on his own seemed to be another like common thread in early transformers stories or like you know biting off more than he could they kind of used him as like a damsel in distress so i feel like a lot early on like which is not, you know, what he's evolved into, like, nowadays. Like, nowadays he is the, you know, the number one action hero. They kind of did away with his, like, you know, he's the weakest and smallest of the Autobots. Right, he's not He's not the runt of the litter anymore, yeah. I Definitely think like, not. I think, like, you know, when Chris McFeely did his, like, basics episode on Bumblebee, he was saying, like, how they've slowly like folded more of like hot rods like characteristics into bumblebee at least like on the action side of things where Mm. you know he can handle himself but this is clearly not that case and i I do like your your avatar of like the beaten up bumblebee with his horn broken and like yeah yeah that's a good that's a good moment i mean it's it's kind of uncomfortable too because if you think about it right with the especially with the sunbow cartoon I mean, regardless of whether he's the run to the litter or not, he is supposed to be one of those kid identification characters. You know, like, that's why he always drove around Spike, and, you know, that's why he had Dan Gilvezen's voice, you know, like this friendly, kind of familiar voice and all this kind of stuff. So there is a sense of uncomfortability when you see, like, you know, I think, what is it? Is it Skywarp that just starts, like, smashing his face into the ground and everything? And, like, you know, he, he starts making him eat dirt and everything. And then it's, like, basically, like, I mean, for the most part, it's, like, Bumblebee's about to get gang-raped by Soundwave and his Decepticons until he, like, transforms and bugs the fuck out of there. But, like, you know, even then, it's, like, they send his fucking arm? Like, you know, it's just, like, a lot of that stuff is kind of, like, whoa. You know, like, that's pretty... That's- yeah, pretty gruesome. I guess I mean there were gruesome things in the early like Marvel comics, but that's still you know pretty violent. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Especially like for like you wouldn't see Bumblebee getting dismembered on the cartoon or whatever. No. No. Oh yeah, his horn wouldn't be falling off. He wouldn't get stomped into the dirt. There wouldn't be a bunch of guys waiting to have their turn with him. You know, it's like whoa. You know, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty intense. You would think after Bumblebee saw Ravage take out all those Autobots with a single missile, he would be smarter than to think he could, like, wrangle Ravage by himself, but... Well, I think I think he thought he could handle Ravage, but I don't think he was expecting to run smack dab into, like, basically the rest of the Decepticon army. Uh-huh. But yeah, like, I... That last panel of, like, his severed, severed arm has always been a, you know, a favorite like image of mine i guess like in again it's a jeff senior drawn installment so like it looks like he makes you feel bad for bumblebee when he's getting the shit kicked out of him so it makes me wonder like if there's like severed 
heads and and limbs and all that stuff like is that all it takes to have an autobot symbol like could like prime like you know i don't know take his pinky finger off and leave it somewhere and then all the decepticons go after his pinky finger in a bush and then he ambushes <laughs> yeah them. That, that's true they're, they're getting a signal from bumblebee's arm i guess yeah, yeah so like if yeah if, if one of us like i remember there was this like fan script I read way back when for Star Wars and I forgot who wrote it or like where it was, but it was kind of, it was like the, the crux of the fan script was like someone found like Luke Skywalker's lightsaber after it fell into like cloud cities, like depths or whatever. And like the way they find it, they're like, I forgot in the script, it was kind of like, Oh, we're reading like an organic, like signature like somewhere in the depths and they find it's like luke's hand attached to the lightsaber uh, or whatever and i'm like and like i i was always thinking like would that hand still like read as an organic like life form or whatever the script said or whatever like i mean it's organic but it's you know it's detached from the actual person like yeah it's probably but, colder than uh yeah so yeah. like that that kind of always reminded me of this or or vice versa like because i probably read both of those things at the same time or, or around the same era but but whatever it's not i guess it's a minor like gripe but yeah, yeah. no no i mean it's not i'm just kind of pointing it out because i think it's amusing but yeah i mean this there's not much to say about this chapter it's just like it's bumblebee getting gang raped by the decepticons pretty much i mean the the, the the when he runs into all the decepticons it's a pretty imposing you know vi, you know visual and everything so it speaks highly to and the, and the fact that that you know not only i mean it's not just the dialogue i mean it's the way jeff senior um composes the the panels and the the look on bumblebee's face you know as he's slowly getting you know cracked and beaten and stuff like that i mean that's that's kind of what makes you like that one panel where he says you dare strike at skywarp and you you see him scream as he like starts ripping his arm off like that's that's you know that's what sells this that yeah. and like it's it's almost like i mean it's probably not supposed to be it's supposed to be like oil or something but it's like convenient that like the 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 oil is coming like dripping from his eyelid because it looks like like they've made him cry you know like i mean yeah. that's that's one of those things where you're like you're like you can tell like this is this is that thing like that anybody in in school like if there was a little you know quote unquote run to the litter that that bit off more than he could chew and then you had all these nasty bullies and a whole group of them like just come after the guy and beat the crap out of him you know that's that's what was going on here you know like they're they're just basically going to town on bumblebee you know so i also love that panel of sound wave like sending laser beak after him like sound wave just pointing like laser beak like sees him or whatever mm. like that's a cool like you know, that's a cool Jeff Sr. Like, I've always admired how he can, like, create the illusion of movement kind of just by his posing. And, like, like I, I feel like he gets a lot better at it as, it, like, you know, his work goes on. But it's still, like, he's a very dynamic artist. And, he like, he always picks, like, I feel like I think we talked about, like, when we were talking about... um who was it like Bart Sayers maybe where mm. you were kind of like, like a, you, you were kind of critical of his like action just because like, it was like, his, he always picks the wrong like frame to like capture. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Well that, the, yeah, that was that thing of like, 
I think that the work that I really liked of his was when Keith Giffen was doing the layouts. But then, but then when we talked about Killer Instinct, you could tell, like, Killer Instinct, and especially, I think, his work on Blade the Vampire Hunter, like, there was no Keith Giffen layout. So it's like, I think that was that weird moment where you're like, it's not Balrog, you know, or I forget which guy it was, um, but the Killer Instinct dude, like, punching the, the guy. It's not the actual moment of contact. It's like two or three seconds after the point of contact, I think. Yeah, like I, I just think uh, you know Jeff Senior almost always nails the right like frame yeah. of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to like capture the the most energy, like I guess the height yeah. of energy. So yeah, but oh, yeah, I agree. But anyway, yeah, I guess that's part two. Like, so I'll, I'll read the summary for part three. Now, draw this part is drawn by John Stokes instead of Jeff Senior. And it's uh, titled Primed for Action with an exclamation mark. As the Autobots react in horror to the sight of Bumblebee's severed limb, the hovering laser beak warns Optimus to come for Bumblebee alone. All indecision forgotten, Prime heads for the Decepticon Fortress, but upon approach is caught up in an earthquake generated by Rumble. Optimus dispatches the little punk, but is then ambushed by Thundercracker and Skywarp. It seems the Autobot leader has fallen, but just as Starscream is closing in for the final blow, boasting about how he is a true leader of bots, unlike the defeated Prime, Optimus springs back to life and takes down all three of them with his bare hands, proving how empty Starscream's words truly are. Finally, Prime storms the fortress, defeats Soundwave and Laserbeak, and rescues Bumblebee. After returning to the Ark, Prime addresses the Autobots on the issue of the Super Warriors once more, crediting Starscream's show of false bravado with proving to him how a real leader should act. Prime formally declares that for the sake of the Earth, no such new warriors will be created, and the Autobots, moved by their commander's renewed passion and determination, accept this ruling without question. The end. Shittiest leader ever. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like you know. Someone should have spoken up with Henchman Twenty Four or whatever, like you know, uh, Prime. Like you know, you could have won. You, we could have won the war like just now, but you didn't. You didn't take the opportunity. Dude, just Bumblebee's saying. trying. He says, "But uh, like he's like, come on, bro. Like it's cool. I'll hang for a little while longer. Like I can why live. Just, yeah. Why, why don't you just go and give all these guys headshots and we'll call it a day? <laughs> it's like know? it's like if, if Bumblebee was like Scott Evil or something. Like <laughs> dude, like I have a it's gun. Like, like he's over like, there like i give me a minute i can well, get it me, he's like let me let me pick up one of the uh seeker rifles we'll, we'll do it together and it'll, be me and you. it'll be fun hey, you, you you just don't get it bumblebee like <laughs> <laughs> i need uh sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads to kill the decepticons <laughs> Wait, you're just you're just gonna leave Starscream and like the Seekers there? Yes, I'm just going to leave them there and assume it all went well. Like it all went. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, 
you know, you know what else sucks about this, especially is the fact that like he's like, I will not pervert the Matrix, except for like two issues later when I pervert it by having all those guys go see Brick Springsteen. You know, it's like what? I will not pervert the Matrix, except for except for tomorrow, or I will pervert the <laughs> shit out of it. For today, it will go unperverted until I'm feeling randy, and Hasbro wants to make more toys. You know, it's like what. But, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, I, I get it. I get what, what they're trying to say. I'm not obtuse, but I, I just, you know, it's funny. It's funny. Wait, aren't you even going to watch them? They could get away. No, no, no. I'm going to leave them alone and not actually witness them dying. I'm just going to assume it all went to plan. What? Optimus. I have a gun in my room. You give me five seconds, I'll get it. I'll come back down here. Boom! I'll blow their brains out. You're just... Don't get it, do you? You don't. It's also funny is there's a there's a headmaster's ad in this issue. So yeah, you weren't kidding that there was that that they're like dealing with like you know early season one stuff, but but by the year they were they were certainly advertising much newer product by this point. Yeah, it's kind of weird to think that this came out like a, yeah right at the beginning of 1986. But, like, in the comic, well, at least the UK comic hadn't even introduced, like, the second year of, like, toys yet, so. And don't get me wrong, like, Optimus Prime looks money when he's, like, smacking the shit out of Starscream and taking all those punches. Oh, yeah. I I I love that. This is very much, I mean, it reminds you of, like, you know, Transformers the movie when he's, like, rolling down, taking all the shots and beating the hell out of the Decepticons. But, you know, that that kind of stuff makes you wonder, though. I mean, well, shit, if you could do that, why don't you just fucking do it? And then (laughs) Radio Prowl with all his fucking Ultimate Autobots to come in and hit curb stomp the rest of them and then take (laughs) all of them. It's like, it's like, Prime's like, well, I've beaten them all down. Prowl, boys, like, it's up to you now. And, like, they all run in and start kicking, like, like, them when all like. All right, Ultimate Autobots, curb stomp all these motherfuckers. <laughs> what? Like Prowl and Ironhide and like Blue Streak and all those guys like surround Starscream and just start kicking him like. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my that's my that's my head cannon. Well, speak, uh, speaking of like you know it's not Jeff Senior, but speaking of like good like John Stokes stuff, like I love that panel of Prime like punching Starscream so hard as oh, like yeah. things like fly off yeah, yeah, in that's good. directions. Like that's awesome. Like. You know, you know what I didn't notice. Speaking of the art, like, and and that's because I'm I'm looking at the the TF wiki or whatever. Like, I didn't realize. Like, I guess I guess they they have a swipe file on Stokes as well because there's that one panel where Thundercracker comes after Prime and it's swiped from like an Earl Norum Big Looker book. So I was like, did you do you see that in the wiki? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Yep. Yeah, because uh-huh. I mean, I've always, I've always loved the Earl Norum stuff. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I mean, I guess if you're gonna swipe, swipe from the best, right? Like that's. Yeah, you might as well. Yep. Yeah, I guess like like I'm looking on John Stokes' actual page on the wiki, and they, yeah, they they've got a like you know a couple of uh you know I swipes thought. like they've they've uh cataloged. Oh, he wrote he drew that Darth Vader story written by Alan Moore. Oh, or okay. one of them, yeah, okay. or at least yeah. one of them. I think I think there's just the one where he plays like uh, space chess with that guy or whatever. The Dark Lord's conscience. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Oh well, that's yeah. I was I was wondering what else has he drawn? Yeah, but that's cool though. 
But I mean, yeah, like it's I mean, he's not going to he's not going to compare to Jeff Sr. Like in, in terms of my personal preference, but I still think he did a really good job. Like, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's interesting tidbits like they, that they're they're staying at their old Marvel Comics base from like Transformers three or whatever. Yeah, Fortress, then, Fortress Sinister, I think. Yeah, or or that they they make the the note about you know Rumble's got the pile drivers and that's a very cartoon influence thing as opposed to a comic thing. They said that they also mentioned that where did Frenzy and Buzzsaw go? Like they were there last issue, but now they're nowhere to be seen. They're like, well, maybe because you know the cartoon didn't really use frenzy or buzz mm. saw that much they decided oh we we don't need them in there well again it's like yeah. you know you know what i'd say it's like well if buzz saw was there like there was no way they were going to lose to prime so but so buzz saw like you know fucked off somewhere it's it's interesting though because i think i think the aspect of this that's missing and it's not so much like in regards to you know me i'm not gonna uh criticize someone for their style and it's like okay he's got a different style from jeff senior but i just think like jeff senior's expressions for autobots are a lot stronger i mean there's some pretty strong i mean the strongest one i can think of is when starscream is supposed to look shocked as as prime gets you know like that panel the the panel like two panels before yeah. your favorite panel where he hits him so hard the wings come off like i bet you jeff senior could have nailed the shit out of like starscream pissing his pants and this is fine it's 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 you know workmanlike like we know he's scared but i i think for some reason like it's just kind of like you know, th- this could also be Starscream's O face for all we know. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's 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 it's, it's a wide eyed, the mouth's open, it all works. But I mean, for all you know, Optimus Prime is pleasuring Starscream in that photo instead of <laughs> making him scared beyond his life, right? Like so, it's like I don't know. You know, it's just like one of those things. So. Yeah, even even Bumblebee looks kind of like... yeah weird i guess when he's all strung up in the decepticon he almost like, he almost looks happy he's yeah, yeah like, he's like i'm so thrilled it's like hi to hell optimus it's like towelie yeah he's like don't worry about me optimus destroy the decepticons once and for all but getting you to safety towelie is more important it's like but Optimus, uh, you know, maybe you should. Bumblebee's like, I'm so freaking high right now. <laughs> I'm so fucking high. Well, come on, Optimus, we'll go shoot him together. <laughs> Prowl's just like, why didn't you fucking kill the Decepticons? I'm so like, Prime and, <laughs> I'm so Prime and Bumblebee are both like smoking joints or something. I'm so high right now. My new head cannon. It makes it all make sense now. They had some energon joints to to keep Bumblebee like going before he got sent back for repairs. Ah, that's good. Oh well. But yeah. No, no. This is this is fun. This is good classic kind of Transformer stuff. You know. You know, like you said, you have to make like some allowances that you know they have to have more adventures and stories. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know, you, it's like we we were joking about. It's like you could have ended the war right there and then, Prime. <laughs> yes, yes. 
whatever. But you know, it's cool. It's cool to see. It's always cool to see. You know, Optimus like you know beat up all the Decepticons like in yeah. succession, basically. You know, this is like I said. This is I feel. It's it's considered by many fans as sort of a minor, like early classic, and like I've always like taken note of it, not just you know for Jeff Senior's art, but I, I feel like it it adds a like it adds to like the backdrop of the U.S. comics where you're kind of you know this is Optimus you know getting his groove back or whatever after you know something that seemingly had no mental consequences on him in the u.s comics like basically Mm -hmm. but yeah so like i've always liked this story so like that's why you know i i I consider it a early classic or whatever yeah yeah it's fun it's fun because i i think again too like i said it's it's one of those things i'm finding out about it's binge watching binge reading things is fun but so sometimes it's like one of those things where, and I, I think I'm guilty of doing this with a lot of the UK comics, either with the Titan trades or the, you know, like we said, GeoCities, Angel Fire, like whatever. It's like, I mean, literally we were so excited. I mean, you can attest to this. Like we just sat down on Angel Fire at GeoCities and we just kept clicking and clicking and reading and reading and reading. And it's like, that was great at the time, but it's like, did for me, at least, I mean, I, I think you're a little different, right? Because this this story in particular stayed out in your mind. And I think for me, some of the other ones that that hit me harder were the, you know, the the time wars, the whole, you know, Galvatron and Megatron being super badasses and beating the shit out of the Seacons and all that stuff. So it's like this one didn't hit me the same way it hit you. But I think when sometimes when you binge watch or binge read something, you know, sometimes things can get lost in the cracks where it's like the UK to me is this, you know, Transformers UK is this kind of amorphous blob of fun stuff. But I I don't know that I've always got everything isolated. It's not something I read in my youth like over and over and over again where I can I, I can't, you know, quote you know, quote you Starfleet regulations on issue numbers or, you know, those kind of things for the UK stuff. I kind of have to go, hey, what issue are we reading, Mike? And when did this take place? You know, it's like once you start looking at it again, it's really easy to see like, oh, this takes place like right after issue 12 of the Marvel comic. You know, that's when it takes place, you know, but as to when it came out, really, it's funny. You'd be reading this what, like, what, uh, a couple years after that issue like i don't know you know like yeah probably like you know well like i said yeah probably like in 2000 and yeah two maybe 2001 like i I couldn't yeah i couldn't place it but like but i mean even even in real time like i i presume that the 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 what 40 40 two to 44 like you know leads right into it if you were reading it off the stands in the uk but if you were like importing these to america or something right and and you were the guy that was willing to pay like the 12 bucks for this 11 page story i mean you probably read this like long after the fact right like like, like after you read issue 12 of the marvel comics yeah exactly yep Uh uh-huh and then, like, I probably, you know, I read everything that, like, led, came after this, like, very shortly, you know, after the, you know, after this, because we were reading it all, like, binge, you know, binging it, like you said, so. Yeah. You know, you have a different, you might have a different take on it, but, uh, I don't know, for some reason, like, this one, like, it, I guess just because of the Jeff Sr., like, being the first, like, Jeff Sr., 
sequential art, it probably stood out to me. Yeah. It is ended. Is it really over, Optimus? I mean, have we seen the end of this war forever? Who can say, Spike? In this vast universe, is anything truly forever? We shall rise again. Fire! So I guess that's it. Like, you know, what I enjoy, I, I feel like we haven't done as many, like when we first started Transformers Tuesdays, I was always kind of like, oh, we're going to do like all these like UK stories. But I think we've only done like a handful of them. So yeah, like, I, I enjoy. I'm, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I, I like a lot of these. And, and even if it's ones that I'm not as familiar with, because, you know, maybe I only binge read it the one time and sort of forgot about it. It's a fun to to revisit them and then if it turns out that some of them are my favorite uk stories well then you know bonus yeah right? like, so. we'll have to do some yeah some more in the future like i remember like the very first uh episode of transformers tuesdays we did that the enemy within like yeah. Furman's like first story and then i think we did what like city of fear for yeah. halloween and then there's this so we'll have to you know Eventually, in the future, you know, assuming we all survive 2020 or whatever, we'll, you know, we'll probably do some more eventually. Like, we could always do, like, Target 2006 or Time Wars or hey, any of that stuff. You know what? I'm, I'm just saying, like, we probably, by the time somebody's listening to this, they have survived 2020. And it's 2021, yeah. uh-huh. and they're trying to survive that. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll, yep. we'll, we'll, we'll think good thoughts for everybody. Absolutely. I think what what I'll take away from our discussion it mostly is, you know, everyone trying to convince Optimus that he could have won the war just <laughs> then there. Like, you know. I think what I'll take away from this is uh, Starscream could have potentially been getting serviced by Optimus instead of scared. <laughs> the friggin' John Stokes expression. <laughs> it was was John Stokes like the Greg Land of his time? Was he yeah, like possibly. tracing like porn yeah. or something yeah, think, for Starscream? Think, yeah. Maybe maybe it was a, uh, a Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue that that Starscream O face came from. <laughs> yeah. All right, Derek. Why don't you do our usual thing? All right, if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can reach us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes of Transformers Tuesdays, you can check them out over on the blogspot. It's fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. And we can be streamed. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. Sweet. So this is Mike uh, signing off. I went freaking condors with laser beams attached to them. <laughs> this is Derek, Derek WC. Um, yes, signing off. Yes, indeedy duty. Well, I will not create the ultimate Autobots. Well, don't forget to bring a tail. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
He's like, I will not create the ultimate Autobots. Like, holy shit. Like, look at this Hasbro toy catalog. He's like, oh, like you know, unfolding it. Like, you know, it used to come with the toys. Like, the aerial bots. I don't know, bots. Optimus. I think you're going to have to start making some of these old boys. Rad. 